0: Let's go to our sermon today, our sermon dealing with the Jesus Parade. If you would open your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Last week we dealt with chapter 11, which was the story of the raising of Lazarus and how Jesus had delayed and not going and rushing because God knows no emergency and he knows no delay. God operates in a different time frame than all of us. He doesn't see that there's an emergency or a great need that has to be done. He immediately goes and does his thing as he wills. Because anything that has gone wrong, he can correct. It's a beautiful part of God. So here we begin in chapter 12. So this, John is following up on the events that have taken place right here in chapter 11. He goes on with the story. So in six days, I'm at chapter uh, 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover the Passover in which Christ was killed that Friday, six days prior to that, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived and whom uh, Jesus had raised from the dead. Here they were having a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Martha was served, and while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table and talking with him, because Lazarus was the star, you see. And then Mary took a a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet uh, with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Are you familiar with this story? If you've heard this story before, many of you have. Okay, well, there's a larger narrative of the same story told in Luke 7. But it's interesting. We're going to look at another part of Luke and it meant. But the larger story is shared. So I invite you to read the larger story found there in Luke chapter 7. But we want to stay in John for just a moment because we want to see how John processes this. So John goes up and he continues to say, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he didn't say this. Now, John kind of gives us a commentary on this post after the event. And John said he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And he later discovered, not at the time of the event, but later on, that Judas had been rifling money out of the money bag for himself. He had been taking his cut as it were, and he had been stealing from them. And Jesus responded and said, leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial, and no one had any idea that Jesus was going to be buried, just uh, six days later. You will always, he said, have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And there she was, This woman had come, Mary Magdalene, who had come to Jesus' feet and washed, because Jesus had forgiven her. He who has been forgiven much loves much, Luke says. She had been forgiven and she knew what it was about. And therefore she was most grateful of what had taken place. And there she was. You know, my brothers and sisters, all of us today, I believe I would be happy to sit there and anoint Jesus' feet, wouldn't you? For what he's done, she did it for us. You can put yourself in that story. Say, Mary, thank you for doing that. Or Jesus, thank you for doing that. Going on, verse 9. Meanwhile, I love this. Meanwhile... A large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there uh, and came. Not only because of him, but they also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. They wanted to see this. He was unbelievable. Yes. You were dead, Lazarus, and now you're alive? You were dead? Dead, dead? You mean really dead? And now you're alive? I gotta see this. Wouldn't you want to go across town to see it? Of course. Oh, I heard I'd like to go hanging on. You know, like the looky-loos. You know, looky-loos, we used to have those out in California. So if you had an accident on the freeway, on one side of the freeway, all the other side had to slow down because everybody had to see it. What in the world happened over there? The looky-loos, they would go by and make their case that way. You remember that? It still happens here. So everybody had to go and see Lazarus. They had to see what that was about. So they went to see him. And so the chief priests... Made plans to, look at that, to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Now I'd like for you to look at that thought Lazarus. Lazarus. Four days in the grave. Now he's been alive just a few days. Back to life. He's at this party. Now, here's, here's the thing that you need to catch on. You see, this wasn't just that he had been really sick and people thought he was dead. Because there's, the recovery of Lazarus was instantaneous. It wasn't, well, I got over a bad virus. He was restored. And he's sitting there at this party a few days later. And everybody's going to go see him. And he's having a tremendous influence because people said he was dead and Jesus raised him to life. Therefore, Lazarus was the most unanswerable witness. The most unanswerable witness. Now, there were many witnesses that were around Jesus, weren't they? Many people. Because they said many people. At all. Yes, they had fallen. Many people had been. They had been touched by Jesus. They had seen things that Jesus had done. Many witnesses had come. There had been those. He had opened the eyes of the blind. He had cleansed the lepers. They were witnesses to what he could do. He'd cast out demons. He would made the crippled walk. They're up joining. And now we have a man named Lazarus. And all he had to say is, I'm alive. And you cannot argue against that. There's no argument against that. There's no answer for that. What do you say to him? No, you're really dead? Or you really weren't dead? When everybody knew he was. Because Jesus, when he said, Lazarus come forth, remember that story? Lazarus come forth. He was wrapped up. He was wrapped up in, in grave clothes. And Mary and Martha said, oh, don't open the door. He already has been there four days. He's gone. He's been there so long, but now watch. Watch this closely. So when Lazarus came out, Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Watch. My dear friends, we are dead in sin. Outside of Christ, we are dead in sin. And when we come to Christ, when we come seeking him, when we ask for forgiveness of sins, Jesus restores us and says to the world, loose him and let him go. Let us go away from the burden, the guilt, the capture, the death of sin that holds us captives. Jesus brings to free us. Then we too are the arguments for Christ that there's no refuting. The great witness, the great witness that we give is, I am forgiven. I have been given eternal life. I have been freed from the bonds of sin and death. I am free. All right, back to John chapter 12, would you? Back to John chapter 12. All right, so we're going to pick up here verse 12 and it goes on. And then the next day, the crowd, the next day after the party, the next day that had come to the festival, came to the Passover week, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So, we're going to keep our finger right there and go to Luke 19, because now Luke gives us a better explanation. Luke wrote a lot more about this because it was a different purpose. So, we'll go there to Luke chapter 19 on page 733, if you're looking in one of our Bibles that we have in our pew. So, if you go look there, we're going to look at verse 29. Pick up the story then in Luke chapter 19, verse 29. And as he approached Bethesh and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives... He sent to his disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and you enter it and you will find a colt tied there, uh, which is one has never been ridden, untie it and bring it here. Go get it, go get the colt, the donkey's colt. And if anyone asked you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent into the village, now this is going down in the village into Jerusalem, outskirts of Jerusalem. And as they were sent ahead, they went and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said to him, the Lord needs it. Now we are guessing, we think that this reason, evidently the people who owned the colt were followers of Christ because they knew just simply saying the Lord needs it yes they knew who he's talking about yes you may take it you may take that possibly this was John Mark's parents the home where they held the last supper we're not sure but we're kind of feeling that's probably what was indicated there we don't know we'll find out when we get there we'll ask them so Coming up, and then the verse thirty-five. It goes on, said, and they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as they were going along, people spread their cloaks out on the ground as he's going into Jerusalem. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, down the Mount of Olives, I've walked this road. And the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices with all the miracles that they had seen. You see, they were witnesses too. And they began to yell, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. They were quoting from the prophets. That's what they were doing. They were taking the very language out of the Old Testament prophets and applying it to this event that was taking place. Why were they doing that? Well, Zechariah tells us, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt. The foal of the donkey. This was written hundreds of years before the event. And Jesus now rides into Jerusalem on a colt. The King has come to his city, and they took palm branches laid down as those were symbols of laying down before the king. This is how a king this was how the new king was to come into the city. And now the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory, the creator of the world is riding a colt into Jerusalem, down that valley, up into the hills. And the Pharisees were furious. They knew the implication of it. They knew this was the enthronement march. They knew that Jesus was coming riding in as to be the king. And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus went on to say, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He was quoting from Habakkuk, chapter 2. Again in the Old Testament, hundreds of years, making that proclamation about what would happen. If they don't, the stones will cry out. The time had come. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city... He wept over it. Your triumphal entry. Everybody is singing some joyful event. You've got Lazarus who was leading the donkey, leading the donkey, raised the dead. Everybody, what a festive and gorgeous occasion as you're coming in your enthronement and you stop and you look over Jerusalem and you start to weep. Remember, he wept at, Joseph, at uh, Lazarus' tomb. And now Jesus is weeping, looking over Jerusalem. Now we have a huge contrast here. We have a huge contrast taking place where we're having crowds celebrating. The people are rejoicing and maddening. They're so exciting. And Jesus is weeping. It might be a good question to ask, why is Jesus weeping? What's significant about it? Jesus speaks and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what you would bring, your, your peace, now it is hidden from your eyes. Would you see that? Who's you, if you? Jerusalem. If the inhabitants of Jerusalem had only known this day, it was in the scriptures. It was written there for them. If you'd only known if you'd only known what was going to happen today, if you'd opened your eyes, but now you're so blinded that you cannot see. Self-blinding. Time to kill him. These days, going on, he said, these days will come upon you when your enemies will build an encampment, embankment around you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, remember? Right on time, everything on schedule, everything done, including what was going to take place this coming Friday. and they did not see it. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the arrival of the 10th Roman Legion. 36 years later, a little longer than that, the 10th Roman Legion showed up. They held Jerusalem in siege. Nobody in, nobody out. It went on and on and on, and Josephus describes the horror that took place in Jerusalem as they went to cannibalism, eating one another because they knew God would never let it fall. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem fell to the 10th Roman Legion. If you were to travel there today, you can see the Wailing Wall. Do you see the Wailing Wall there? Down here? This is all that Israel has anymore. Up here on the top, is the Dome of the Rock, and the Dome of the Rock is a Muslim mosque sitting on the spot where the Ark was. Orthodox Jews have to face that every day, looking that the Muslims now have our most sacred spot. All right, one more time back to John twelve. Here we go back to John twelve, picking up with verse sixteen. Now notice this. At first, the disciples did not understand all this. They did not understand all this. And in my life, I'm still trying to learn it too. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him long ago, long ago written. About him, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the uh, tomb and raised from the dead, continued to spread the word, continued to spread the word about what had taken place, and many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, "See, this is getting us nowhere. Look." how the whole world has gone after him. whole world has gone after him. This was the last week before the cross. Next Friday night, we will deal with the the Good Friday thing that happened. What happened? We will remember what happened on Good Friday and look forward Sabbath, to what processed and went through that weekend. I would like to ask you this. Would you please this week... Make this a special time for you to focus on Jesus. How about reading through the book of John this week? Just take a few chapters and read through the book of John right before you go to bed. And ask the Lord, as you lay in bed and you read this, as you lay back in bed, to share with you, Lord, please teach me about Jesus from this. Please teach me. And let his word soak into you. You will find it refreshing. Just go ahead and try it. It won't hurt. And uh, you can turn off them. It won't take you just about a few minutes, maybe 15 minutes, just before you go to bed. Just take some time and just go ahead and read through that and do that together. I believe that this provides us with the perfect time for us to focus our lives on Jesus. The perfect time to do that. Let's take this opportunity. While the whole world, Christian world, focuses on Easter and what's taking place, We can focus upon Jesus too. Take an opportunity to look at Jesus more closely. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for this great lesson that comes. What a story about the triumphal entry. While they were praising, he was weeping. For he knew the rejection that was coming. He knew what was going to happen in just a few years afterwards. He knew what was going to take place. But Lord... May we learn as well. May we be open to see, to read, to find out. Bless us then as we look and focus on you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.